When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a ball hit to left, deep to left, and that ball is gone. Off the facing of the second deck. Cruz hitting his seventh of the year. A blast, left center field. Headed to the bullpen, he's done it again. His fifth home run this year against Kansas City pitching. Listen to this again. A blast, left Oh, my God. Baseball porn. Oh. Oh, Nelson? The ball hit to left. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Blast left center field. I'd let him do that to me. Sounds like my head hitting the field. (laughs) Do you still have a concussion? I think I'm good. I think. You are retired, right? Yes, I'm I'm retired. We're supposed to play tonight. I'm out. I'm on the IR. Well, you might need some insurance. Well, hold. Wait, wait. Are are you on the IR or have you announced your retirement? I told him I'm done for the year. Okay, good. Because that means you're done, basically. Okay. Okay. How many more games are left? Today's the regular season finale, and then the playoffs will be next week. So you're out for the playoffs. I'm out for the playoffs. That's gonna, a good call. Are you going to at least like coach third base or something? No. You're just not going to show up? I'm out. I sacrificed my no, head right. for this team. I'm out. He's right. And Dex, body, Dex, I'm out. I'm totally with you. I'm out. This is the right call. Thank you. Sounds like De- Declan could use the frontline protection yeah. and risk management of federated insurance. I don't think they help with clumsy outfielders and slow-pitch softball. Find but, out. Uh, but if Declan had a I'm business, they could help with Declan's business. Yeah. Go ahead and visit federatedinsurance.com to find out all of the different industries that Federated protects and to find out more about your local marketing representative. This is not the year to be uh, feeling unsettled about your insurance company. You want someone with over 100 years of experience, and you want someone that can help you navigate these treacherous waters of 2020. And that someone is Federated. Federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And he, he knows what he's up there looking for. He knows who he's facing. He knows the guy that, that pitched tonight uh, for them who did a nice job. You know, he's going to ride the ball up in the zone, and he's, you know, choking up, and he's fighting to get on top of pitches. He's not happening by accident. The guy's very talented, but he also makes fantastic adjustments. All right, breaking twins down like it's a football game. Another win last night. I was kind of hoping for the Royals to score another run in the ninth so that all four games would be four to two finals in the series. That's the rule, right? I mean, Four two? It was until last night. We thought it was. Yeah. Four two, four two, four two. Last night should have been four rip, except for the home run by the Royals. Well, oh, that, actually, actually, let's start. Let's start there real quick. Oh, okay. Okay. Start there real quick. Right. Spend spend thirty seconds on this. We have to talk about all kinds of other things, and uh, it is a an old tweets exposed Tuesday here on the show. But my first thought, my knee jerk thought was, why is Zach Littell coming in right now to nervously <laughs> blow a four run lead in the ninth inning? 
And so that was my like break of break a baseball game down like it's football knee jerk reaction. And then I remembered, oh yeah, it's a bullpen game. And Taylor Rogers can only pitch like once a week. And if he if he pitches more than once a week, he has like a nine ERA. So so bringing in Zach Littell in a four run situation at the end of the game, bravo to Rocco Baldelli. I, but I got a question for you. What if Duffy or May pitch more than one, do, do their arms just fall off on the mound? Or like, do, do they have to take their arms into a repair shop? Yeah, I think, I think like, it's a repair the, shop. I think that's what it is. What's mm-hmm. the deal on pitch counts for Duffy and May? Especially uh, well, Trevor they, May. They've gone Trevor multiple May strikes, before. Yeah, yeah. Tre, Trevor May strikes me as a guy that you could have trotted back out. Let's see here in the uh, handy-dandy scorebook. Okay, Trevor May pitched the eighth, all right? He, hit, he pitched to batters two, three, and four. F7 on an 0-1 count, um, strikeout swinging on a 2-2 count, and then he went full on Jorge Soler before he got Soler looking on strikes, okay? Yeah, 13 pitches. Okay. I mean, if he comes out for that ninth, is he toast for like three weeks? Um I think he should. If, if it were me, I think I would have run him out there for the ninth. But I understand. I know, but giving some... Zach Latell, if Zach Latell is going to be on your team and you can't trust him in a four-run game against the Royals, then why is he? I'm just. A, I'm just asking about. I'm asking about reliever pitch counts because I'm growing. To, I'm growing curious about this because I think when you do get to the playoffs, there's going to be times where it's going to make sense to take a guy like Mayor Duffy if they don't get in enormous trouble themselves, okay? But if they pitch well, and let's say they pitch the seventh, there's going to be times where I'm saying to myself, hold on a second here, Tyler Duffy, as Phil Mackey continues to point out on Twitter, again and again and accurately, oh, wow. is unbelievable. Wow, thank you. No, but he's he's outstanding. Thank you. And I keep saying Fine, to myself, if Tyler Duffy pitched the eighth, would he? Would something happen to him? Well, Tyler Duffy, all right. HCMC? Actually, Tyler Duffy. Ambulance? He loved Two base oh, runners last I, night. Oh, Twitter went nuts. Two hits last night. <laughs> Twitter was going Tyler crazy. Duffy had runners on the corners with one out last night. I was ready to demote him. I thought <laughs> I thought about going uh, to, to the last rung of the press box and just jumping. Mm-hmm. I thought, this is it. Oh, wow. Life as I know it is yeah. over. So, okay. Tyler Duffy, fun fact, okay? And uh, yeah, it, it was it was of, me that told you at the beginning something. of the year. This needs something. You can't do Tyler Duffy fun fact without something to it. There's got to be production. I was wrong. You were right. No, I, no, I a production. Uh, I'm, all right, here. Tyler Duffy fun fact. Okay, thank you. Well, fun fact number one is Declan doubted that Tyler Duffy was the best pitcher yeah. in this bullpen. I wasn't going to bring that up. A couple weeks no, ago. I, I brought it we up. We all make mistakes. So Judd yes, apologized did. kind of to Byron Buxton no, last week. I really week. didn't, but we all make mistakes. So Declan, go ahead. If you want to apologize to Tyler Duffy or, or your co-host here. Uh, yeah, Tyler Duffy, you're really good at baseball. I'm sorry I questioned your two whip for the last three years uh, before 2019. See, this, now, and, it's, now it's um, becoming a backhanded and, apology. And you have turned into one of the works. most electric relievers in baseball. My I'm very proud of you. You're down. showing it for 2020. You go, Declan. Good job, Tyler Duffy. I don't know why you had to reference his, his two whip from like four years ago, <laughs> but it's hey. okay. Tyler Duffy, fun fact. So Tyler Duffy, did you know, has pitched 36 times since July 23rd of 2019. So he has pitched 36 times in the last 13 months. He has allowed a run in only one of those outings since July 23rd, 2019. 33 and two-thirds innings, 54 strikeouts, only five walks issued, only 16 hits allowed, and an ERA of point. Five three opponents are hitting under one fifty against Tyler Duffy since July twenty third of two thousand nineteen. Sounds That's pretty good, ridiculous, and it's not a fluke anymore. He's just straight up their best reliever, uh, and it's funny. Like Tyler Duffy, 
four years ago started the inning with runners on first and third and one out. Like he was just like, oh, Tyler Duffy starting. Wait, how are there guys on the well, corner already? Like, or just a home run. Or just a, a home Jose run. Jose Batista would just be like, I'm just going to hit a home run here. And last night, he <laughs> you know, he hits a speed bump, gives up a couple of hits, and there's runners on the corners. And it was like, wait, what? There's runners on base against Tyler Duffy? But well, can we, we've come. But can we prepare some of these guys to at least be set if the pitch count in their first inning of work is not out of control, can we prepare them to pitch? What do you mean, Smeltzer, a second Smeltzer pitched two and two thirds last night? It's another, bull, it's another bullpen game. Yeah, I know. And Whistler uh, pitched two innings last night. You know, Whistler looked pretty damn good last night, huh? Whistler's what, been three gr- been great so far. Yeah, Whistler's solid. been. He's an, he's another guy, man, off that garage sale pile that Falvey goes to, and he's like, "Give me one of those Whistlers," and they're like, "That Whistler doesn't work anymore." And he's like, "No, give, give me the Whistler." It will for us. It will football. For us. So, all right. Breaking the Twins down like it's football. Legitimate question for you guys. Declan was born in the early 90s. Jeb was born in the late 60s. Yeah, 1960. I was born in the correct. mid-80s. Mm-hmm. Is Nelson Cruz the best Twins hitter you've ever seen in your lifetime? No. Oh, that's a that's a steep I I think you could do a Mount Rushmore. Oh. I think you could do a top five. Well, I'll, I'll, um, I'm going to be with Declan on this one. I can't say he's is it the a best. Sna- is it a snap no? Is it a snap? No. Well, you guys are well, saying I saw, instantly no. I saw Crew and Puckett. Okay. Did Kirby Puckett ever hit in 142 games, 49 <laughs> home runs, 131 RBIs, with a 317 average and a 400 on base percentage? Kirby Puckett was never this good. Never this good. I grew up loving Kirby Puckett. Now, Kirby Puckett was a twin for 12, say, there's 14 an extent, years. There's an okay? extended period of, of really, really good play there, but though. That's Kirby the Puckett was never this good of a hitter for 142 games. Period. Joe Maurer was never like Joe Maurer didn't hit forty nine home runs in his career. Well, that's true. Yeah, but Joe was a different uh, type player. This is better than any stretch. Justin Morneau. Justin Morneau was an MVP. I mean, this guy's great. Forty nine home runs, one hundred thirty one RBIs. I'm not trying to put Cruz down. I am saying that if you go back and go through the the Twins players that I've seen, I can't just snap tell you that this is the best. His one hundred sixty two game average. So he's been a Twin now for one hundred forty two games. If if you gave him 162 games as a twin, mm-hmm. he would hit 56 home runs, 150 RBIs, 317 batting average. It's great, yeah. I'm not trying to. I'm not for one second saying that he has not been phenomenal because he has been phenomenal. But is it like if so? I'll go out. If you guys you guys have said no, I legitimately think that the year and change that I have watched Nelson Cruz, I have never seen another Twins hitter in my life going back to 1985, including Kirby Puckett, including Joe Maurer, including Torrey Hunter. Jim Tomey's magical run in 2010 was great. He didn't do this. This is the best Twins hitter I have seen in my... I'm not saying like over a 10-year stretch. I'm not... I'm Kirby Puckett is is a legend, but Kirby Puckett never did this over a year and change. This is the, this yeah, is the best fantastic. offensive performance Absolutely I've ever fantastic. seen. Absolutely fantastic, yeah. Agreed completely. My question about Cruz and... and I thought about this comparison a while back and thought it was sounded a little bit crazy, but I'll broach the subject now because he continues to be so good. Is Nelson Cruz in some ways, and I know he's not this big of star, okay? So I'll preface it by saying that. But is Nelson Cruz, who turned 40 on July 1st, baseball's Tom Brady? Like, I don't know when he's... In fact, I, I asked Rocco this question last night. I said, when do you think he's done? He just turned 40. And he continues to hit like he's 31, 30, 29. 
And and I talked to Cruz in spring training and said because if if you guys recall um, during the course of Twins Fest, I think it was Thad Levine brought up the fact at the uh, Q and A with the fans, the forum, that the Twins had approached Cruz's people about a contract extension. And at first, I was like, "What? He turns forty on July first of two thousand twenty. That seems odd." Uh, and then I asked Cruz in spring training, and he goes, well, yeah, people say I can't do this, or or at that age, you can't, but you can look at the positive or the negative, and I see the positive of the fact that I work so hard that I basically get my rest, blah, 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 and I think I can. And at first, I was like, uh, dude, but you're going to be 40, but the more I watch him, I believe in some ways the same philosophy that Brady holds true, which is hard work on and off the field and keeping yourself in basically impeccable shape, eating right, and going down that path. This guy, I think, and here's here's why it might be true. The National League is going to switch to the DH as early as next year, and certainly after that. So there's going to be a whole slew of teams that are going to be uh, possible employment places for Cruz if he doesn't stick here. My question is, how long can he play? And I can't sit here and tell you 42 and that's it. It's crazy. I mean, David Ortiz was pretty similar. Now, David or David Ortiz, uh, he figured it out at a, at a slightly earlier age than Nelson Cruz. And now a lot of cynics or realists would say, yeah, well, both those guys had some artificial help in the mid-2000s. Nelson Cruz actually did get suspended for performance enhancers sometime like 10 years ago. Um, and David Ortiz was never suspended, but his name popped up, I think, on the Mitchell Report or mm-hmm. the New York Times Report. So I get that those things are always going to hover over aging, you know, brooding sluggers' heads. But David Ortiz, his last year in Boston, he was 40 years old. He was an all-star. He led the league in RBIs. He led the league in doubles. He led the league in slugging percentage and batted 315. And basically it was just like... I can still do this, but his feet went too. I'm kind of sore, and I'm sort of sick. It looked of this. painful. Yeah. Like Cruz, it doesn't look painful. He he looks like he's 29. Right. So so David Ortiz, even with some of the physical ailments, was still able to yep. hit at such a high clip. I think you just get to the point where once you've taken 10,000 at bats in the major leagues, everything has slowed down. Pitchers aren't throwing anything that is tricking you anymore. Like Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano are still up there, even after like five or six years. They haven't, like, Torrey Hunter was like this five or six years in where you're still getting tricked by sliders low and away on a regular basis, and there's still pitchers that you have, oh, that's a new little way to throw a two-seam fastball. It's like Nelson Cruz and then David Ortiz when he was still in the league. When you're 40 years old, you've just seen everything. You've been playing professional baseball for 20-plus years. He looks so calm in the batter's box. I was actually texting back and forth with one of my uh, baseball-loving friends who just sort of, like, roams in scouting circles and... Just the difference, like what he was pointing out, is the difference between Nelson Cruz at the plate mm-hmm. and how calm he is. Like calm meaning everything. He's not like moving around His in the box. Like Miguel Sano sometimes gets a little bit. Like Byron Buxton yep. has has been more calm this year. Yep. Everything about him says like I am meditating in the batter's box right now and waiting for you to throw ninety seven miles an hour so I can crush it one hundred fifteen miles an hour off the bat. So to answer your question about, like, can he be the Tom Brady, I don't know if we've seen guys hit at that level into their mid-40s before. We've seen, like, Barry Bonds did, but but that's a different category. Right. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, I kind of laughed at the contract extension notion a year ago, and now it's like if if 
if the Twins signed him to a two-year contract extension, I'd be like, all right, cool. He's, I'm, he's probably I still going to be awesome in two years. You know, it's worth the gamble. Injuries are the only thing. Like he, I, I feel like he's got a system down. He's so quick to the ball. I don't think like quickness and eye hand stuff. I don't think that's going to erode in the next two years. It might just be like, oh, his wrist or his knee or something sure. knocked him out. But for is there months. a cliff here? Because I don't see that cliff. It ain't this year. No, hell no. But it's probably not next year. He's li- like he's legitimately one of the top five or ten hitters in all. I mean, of baseball. what happens if he goes to? The Cubs, for instance, okay, and the wind blows out there, and he's DHing. Like he's going to be able to mash for three more years, four more years, and 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 plus, here's the thing too: is he's not one of these guys who begrudgingly DHs. Like he's not. A, I used to play the field, and I love to play the field, but now I'll DH. He's made. He has made an art out of what he does, and so he's completely prepared. His approach is completely prepared. In fact, Baldelli brought up last night. In fact, I've got the quote right here. I'll I'll find some parts. Baldelli brought up last night. He said of Cruz, when he he knows pitchers go up in the zone, he's got a very different swing than when he knows guys are going to pitch him in or try to sink him down in in the zone or a breaking ball heavy situation. He's a very intellectual guy. So basically what he's saying is he goes to the plate with different ideas of how to approach his swing too. Like think about yeah, like ridiculous. like think about for one second if if he could. If Miguel Sano adopted a portion of what I just said, like what Baldelli just said. Like just a portion of that and thought to himself, "Okay, here's a really good idea." But to Phil to your point, that takes slowing the game down. That takes slowing the at bat down. That takes a complete zen of of hitting approach at the plate that a lot of guys simply just don't and probably can't have. I also think like it feels like his approach and impact have definitely worn off on some play. I think it did for a little while on Sano last year, but you know, Max Kepler probably takes some things from Nelson Cruz and Jorge Polanco probably takes some things from Nelson Cruz. So, uh, so I stand by what I said a couple minutes ago. This is no hyperbole. This is the best stretch of hitting I've over like a, a, a one year or 150 games. Well, Patrick. I've ever seen in my life watching the. That's crazy. We we can do that today. Football. All right. What else? Breaking um, a Twins game down like it's football. Yeah, you know what? This is fantastic. All right, last two games. I want to talk about um, something, and we probably we probably rip this guy at times, both for his approach at the plate and defensively, and it's justified. So I'm not backing off on that. But the last two games. Rosario in left field has made phenomenal defensive plays that that allow you to get upset when he makes stupid plays out there. So he's saying that like was it his ankle that was bothering him for the second half last year, and that's why he was one of the worst defensive outfielders in all of baseball. Yes, but that doesn't but that doesn't absolve him for the dumb decisions. Like I get not get not getting the balls, but I mean we have all seen him make plays, and it's a flat out you weren't thinking, were you? Throws to the wrong bases. Throws that sail that are Jack Jones esque, right, and completely sail. So, Jack Jones. So, I get the fact that he was slowed at times in 2019, but the dumb plays that we've seen, and I believe that we've seen a couple earlier uh, since the season started in 2020. But the last two games, the sliding catch on Sunday, the the DP play is a game saving play, a great play, and then last night, good old wit. 
Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield is a thorn in the side of the Minnesota Twins. He does sound very British. Hello, I'm I'm Whit Merrifield. Yeah, same. Oh, yeah. Whit Merrifield. Merrifield. Exactly right. So he hits that rocket, that rocket off uh, Clippard, I believe, that goes off the left field wall. And Rosario, without hesitation and absolute perfection, takes that ball. And Merrifield's not a super slow guy, I don't think. Like, I think he's got some speed, right? Yeah. Is out by a mile trying to stretch uh, a single into a double. And that is an unbelievable throw. That is a a great play. I've got a theory. I've got a Rosario defensive. It's probably not not a conspiracy theory. It's just a theory for you. Um, A week ago Sunday in Kansas City. There was that ball off Barrios. I believe it was Soler hit the ball off the top of the fence. And it was about to go out, and it didn't. And Rosario played that ball, and he threw to the wrong base. And Rocco actually brought it up. Now, he didn't say Rosario's name, but he said something along the lines of, we threw to the wrong base, which for Rocco is, uh, oh, my God, he must have talked to him, right? This weekend or Sunday, Monday, Rosario makes two defensive plays that, to me, are are two plays born of the fact that they started with him incredibly engaged in the game. Just yeah. a theory for you. Yeah. Uh I think I think there's definitely times where he starts getting bored and looking at like who's in the third row. And so I actually think it probably helps Eddie. he seems like a very <laughs> ADD baseball player. Right. It probably helps him that the cardboard cutouts are just the same every game and so he gets after like 3 games of cardboard cutouts he's like I've already seen them. I guess I'll pay attention <laughs> to what's happening in the game right now. You bring up Jock Jones throws uh, do you guys ever remember the Jack Jones special where he would either throw like a 17 hopper from shallow right or left field to home plate, or he would throw one like halfway up the the yep. backstop? God, I love. Oh, Jack I, Jones. I saw a throw. <laughs> I, I saw I saw a throw early 2000s Metrodome game afternoon game, and I want to say it was Baltimore. Okay, um, single to left guy coming home. I kid you not. Jack Jones airmails the ball behind the first base dugout, no fewer than three to four rows. <laughs> like, you could yeah, see the hilarious. ball coming in, and you're like, this has no idea. Where, where's that ball going? <laughs> and I think it landed about three rows behind what was the visitor's dugout on the first base side there. Jock Jones, man. I got one football. more for you. All right. All right, breaking baseball down like it's football here. It's never too early to look at the standings as we do in football. So right now in the American League, these are your eight playoff teams in order based on the seeds. The Yankees are the one seed. The Oakland Athletics are the two seed. Twins are a game and a half behind the Yankees, a game behind the Athletics at 15 and 8. They are the three seed. The Rays are just a game back of the Twins at the four seed. Indians the five seed, but also just booted two of their best starting pitchers. We don't know for the season yet, but they're definitely not going to be around for a little while. In Clevenger and Plesak. So the Indians might actually start to falter here. Okay. Baltimore, Houston has won five straight games to pull back into playoff uh, position. And then the White Sox would be the eighth seed. So the Twins, if the playoffs started right now, the Twins would play a three game series against the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, Your thoughts? That would- um, That's probably the worst. Initial of all the thought teams. is, oh, awesome! It's the Orioles. They're they're terrible. And it's then the my second the thought teams. is, it's a three game series. Oh my god! Someone's going to get hot and goal and stop a bunch of shots, and the O's are going to score a fluky. Oh wait, that's Jake the, Allen doesn't the wrong play sport. For the that's the wrong sport. Well, you uh, get the Tommy Malone revenge game. I don't at like some it. Point. I I want nothing to do with what I previously considered to be a really crappy team. 
Well, I'll wait, take a shot of crappy. Wait, so you're saying right. that you would you would not choose the Baltimore Orioles out of all these teams? I'd rather take I'd rather take my chances against the Orioles than the Astros. Hundred percent. Oh, I want the Astros. Bring on the Astros. Well, that'd be fun. It would be bring fun on to face the Astros. Astros. Jose Altuve finally doesn't know what's coming, and he's hitting 150, which is fun to watch. The less a team, the le- <laughs> the less a team has to lose in that short of playoff series, the more they potentially scare me. The less a team has to lose because it's too many fluky things. If it's a three of five, that's short. But I'm saying to myself, okay, they got to win three games. They're probably not going to do that. So you're saying that you would, for for the Twins' purposes of winning a series, you would rather face the Astros than the Orioles. I would rather face the Astros. Yes. Wow. Not the, not like the Yankees because there's too much pitching there. Yeah. I'd rather face the Astros. My God. You guys don't know these short series like I know these short series. Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. See what I did there? I needed the confession, so I leaned in. I was I was wired. I leaned in, and I uh-huh. was like, can you say that one more time a little bit yeah. more loudly into the uh, just flower? I thought I saw the cops my... pull, uh, come by about 15 minutes ago, and you said your Nelson Cruz take, but then I, I think they said, yeah, you know what, maybe there is a you, little bit of validity to them speeding there. You just, you guys just wait until the O's are celebrating when they have won two games on by complete flukes, and we're sitting here trying to make excuses for what happened okay, to the Twins. Just to further break down... A baseball playoff series like it's football. And now it's hockey, okay. basically. Can you name Mr. Scared of the Orioles? Besides Tommy <laughs> Malone, can you name any of the other Orioles pitchers who have started a game so far this year? Oh, no. No. No way. <laughs> but the Astros? The Astros are also not exactly... They're, they're not the old, old uh, Strohs. Granky's still there. Um, can you name one... Can you name... Can you name two hitters in their naming. lineup? But this Two is, hitters in their lineup. This is, Chris Davis is still there. He's awful now. But Chris he's still, Davis? I, like, he's still there. How he is that guy the still in the major leagues? Because of his contract. Yeah. Like that dude. Okay. Let's have and a plus fun the game Orioles, here. The Orioles do genuinely want to lose. They just are incapable in this goofed up season. So Chris Davis is one of the most hilarious stories in all of baseball. All right. So this dude. <laughs> it's sad, man. It is sad. Let me pull up his contract here and then Listen to you get to his dancing on his baseball grave. Well, I mean. I mean, he'll he's fine. He's rich. He'll be fine. Yeah, good for him. He's made $141 million in his life playing baseball. So he makes $23 million a year. The Orioles still owe him $23 million next year and $23 million the year after that. Can you tell me the last year in which Chris Davis hit 200 or better? I'm looking at it, so I can't do it. Uh, 2000. It's going it. to be something. It's going to be a we joke. 2017. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, these are these are sad. Chris Davis's batting averages the last five years, and again, batting average has never been his strong suit. But the power has also dropped off. Two twenty one, two fifteen, one sixty eight, one seventy nine, one thirty three. Chris Davis, his home run totals used to be in the fifties. Last year he hit twelve and hit one fifty. Well, didn't he He's not still in the major leagues? Did, didn't he, he start two thousand nineteen like old for forty or fifty something? something like and he finally got a hit like in Boston. It's hilarious. Anyway, you just wait. You just wait till the Orioles win game one on a goofy goal. Their goaltender gets hot. The Wild has. I mean, the Twins have problems get, getting to the net. I'll take my take my chances on that. So that is breaking down a Twins game like it is a football game every day here. I'm Mackie and Judd. Uh, real quick, a quick shout out to Pod MN. It's a new local podcast discovery app, free to download in the Apple or Google Play stores. And you can find not only Score North podcast, but you can discover all kinds of other Minnesota sports podcasts 
on this app and other non-sports podcasts, too. It's the best platform, brand new, to discover Minnesota podcasts. Also, you can uh, you get rewarded for the longer you listen to podcasts on the app. So PodMN, you can also follow on social media at PodMN app. Last thing, Jorge Soler in four games at Target Field over a three-day period struck out 12 times. How many times did Miguel Sano strike out? I don't think it was. Hold on a second here. He struck out twice. He had a hit last He's, night. He had a double. Uh, oppo. He went Oppo. That's actually yeah. a good sign. He had, That's um, a good sign. He, had, he had four strikeouts between Sunday and Monday. He had three more in game two on Saturday, so that's up to seven. And then he had only one in game one. Jorge Soler kicked Miguel's butt when it came to the strikeout crown. Yeah. He wins the Sammy Softball Award for the series. Miguel Sano, I still, I still believe he is leading the major leagues in strikeout percentage. He just doesn't have as many at-bats as some of these other guys. But He'll work on that. I would like to debut a new segment with you guys here that's probably been long overdue on this show. It's called Down with the Old Guard. So, do you really think you're suited to be the fourth guy in our group, Buzz Killington? And just to set this clip that we're about to play up, Fernando Tatis Jr. has become one of the most exciting young players in all of baseball. He has 11 home runs so far this year. I think I saw that. 11 home runs so far this year. He leads the big leagues right now. He's super fun to watch. He, you know, he'll flip his bat. He'll, he's just, he's young and exuberant. And everything Major League Baseball put out that commercial like two years ago going into the playoffs, let these guys play. And it was Javier Baez flipping his bat. And this guy showing emotion and bringing some fun and flair to a mostly stale game that we all love here. So last night, Fernando Tatis in a seven to nothing game, or it was they were up by seven runs. He's got a three zero count. And he's feeling pretty good. He's got ten bombs on the season. The bases are loaded, and he's like, "I'm going to swing away. I'm going to. I'm going to. If the game's not already over, we're up by seven. I'm going to swing away here on three now because I'm going to get a dialed pitch and I'm going to hit a grand slam. So he does. And then not only does the opposing manager, it was at Texas they were playing last yeah, night. Correct. The opposing manager shames him, saying, like, that's not the way that we do things. His own manager also shamed him and said, yeah, we probably shouldn't be swinging on 3-0 and in that Jace spot. Jace Tingler, who had coached in Texas until this yeah. year. And this is Fernando Tatis apologizing. I've been in this game since, since I was a kid, man. Uh, I know a lot of unwritten rules. And, uh, but, you know, this time I didn't, I was, I was kind of lost on this one. I was, you know, they told me after 5, 7, after 6, or something like that, and, uh, you know, from those experiences, you got to learn from it. Uh, probably next time I'll take a pitch. Now that I know from it, then, uh, you know, you just got to gotta learn from it and keep looking forward. So listen to him trying to deduce. Like, it, clearly guys got to him afterwards and were like, okay, there's an unwritten rule here. And the way he's explaining, he's like, yeah, I wasn't really in tune with that one. They said, basically, if you're up by, like, five or six or seven, you should probably lay off that pitch. So, like, the old guard doesn't even know what the rule, the unwritten rule is. Well, They're just telling him, like, oh, man, uh, just goes, uh, don't have fun. This goes back to last year on, on a much smaller scale. I believe it was Jake Cave was at the plate, and the Twins were up by a bunch on somebody, and Jake Cave swung it like a 3-1-3-0 pitch and got to first base, and guys were complaining, and guys were like, you shouldn't do that. You never. And his own teammates were like, you just broke a rule. Um, let's Let's go through this, okay? Because I'd like to start with, look, the Texas – manager, um, Tatis's own guy, There, it's ridiculous, all right? But I want to start with baseball as a whole, okay? And I want to start with this one. Fernando Tatis Jr., much like Mike Trout, is a, well, in Tatis's case, a budding superstar. Trout is a superstar. 
playing on the West Coast and tearing things up. And because of who they play for and where they play also, they don't get the coverage that they should. So, so I, I mean, Tatis should be in a season where, let's remember, baseball attempted to sabotage itself through greed and almost didn't play, has had two teams sh- shut down, and has had another team fractured by two knuckleheads who decided that they were going to go out despite the COVID, okay? So, like, everything about baseball, for the most part, on those lines has been bad, negative. People are like, what's wrong with baseball? People are right to say that. Fernando Tatis is a young uh, charismatic, well-spoken. Yeah. I mean, that clip, he's a well-spoken kid. Budding superstar. He is the type of guy who should get headlines. I don't care if he plays in Canada, San Diego, or Russia. He's the type of guy that baseball should be getting headlines to on a regular basis and featuring and saying, hey, kids, this is a star player. You know, we'll, we're going to make shoes for him. We're going we're gonna to do something here. Buy his shoes. Um, and instead, the first time, I guarantee you, the first time that a lot of people have heard his name. Yes. Is about this, and yeah. and I realize Manfred. I realize Manfred is not behind this, but yeah, no, my, but he is. But he he's is, right. Though. And my God, my yeah. God, we we are really so. This guy has. Let me get this straight. He's twenty one. He has two home runs last night. He has eleven on the year, which leads big league baseball. He drives in seven runs, which is an incredible off the charts night. We should be celebrating this and being like, "Did you see that kid in San Diego? Did you see that?" And instead, we're fixated on old people. And here's the scary thing: Jace Tingler is probably in his forties. His manager, okay, who should have told Texas, "Buzz off, my guy does. My guy's great." Uh, instead, we're fixated. National headlines. We're talking about unwritten rules. Dude, can you imagine? The, by the way, you're spot on. You're spot on. Stop. And and this is there, there's there, unless you play fantasy baseball. If you're one of like the eight people, including myself, that still play fantasy baseball, <laughs> you probably haven't really heard much about Fernando Tatis Jr. You probably know more about his dad, who's most famous for, coincidentally. Talking about Grand Slams, hitting two Grand Slams in the same inning of a game in 1999. So Grand Slams and exciting Grand Slams run through this family's bloodline. But can you imagine if you had other young budding superstars? Let's go to the NBA for a second. What if like Luka Doncic, who's now become a household name and and he went bonkers last night in in game one and, and they got beat by the Clippers. But like if Luka Doncic is coming onto the scene and instead of Oh my God! Who's this guy who keeps getting triple? He scores like thirty point triple doubles every single night, and he's brand new to the league. If the first thought was, "Ooh, yeah, the Mavericks are up by fifteen points there late in the fourth, and did you see this Luka Doncic? Uh, he pulled up from three and cashed one, and man, the, the Memphis Grizzlies were not happy about it. They were not happy about it. And so Luka needs to know that if you're up by fifteen points late in the fourth quarter and you're wide open for three, like. You got to step inside the line and take that shot. Sorry. Like the fact that we even talk about this is yeah. absurd. And bravo to two of the most high profile players in all of baseball, starting with the Twins' own Josh Donaldson. Oh, yeah. Who tweeted last night. I know what he's saying, referring to the Texas manager, but I've never understood this. Why is it the hitter's fault that the pitcher fell behind 3 and 0? As one of my favorite teammates ever, David Price would say, quote, don't like it, pitch better. Well, let's hear from a pitcher because I think the, I think hearing from a fellow hitter is one thing, but hearing from a pitcher is another thing. Trevor Bauer tweets this morning, Hey, Tatis Jr., listen up. One, keep swinging 3-0 and if you want to, no matter what the game situation is. Two, keep hitting homers no matter what the situation is. Three, 
Keep bringing energy and flash to baseball and making it fun. Four, the only thing you did wrong was apologize. Stop that. Bravo. Thank you to these young players stepping up. Like, you never would have heard this 10 years ago. But that's a small start to what I want. This is a superstar player, potentially, right? Yeah, he he is. He's a superstar. Okay. How is he not out there? How is this? Look, if he violated a rule. And the conversation was, well, Fernando Tatis Jr. violated a a rule, um, but we have been talking extensively about him. I'd be like, well, that's stupid, but okay. All right, I get it. Just in the vein of we've talked about him. This will, on this show, I guarantee you on shows across the country, this will be the first time this kid's name has been uttered, has been talked about. Think about how ridiculous that that is. Think about, think about, if Fernando Tatis Jr. played basketball, let's say he's Jean Morant of the Grizzlies, right? Chip Scoggins has told me his boys will reserve time to watch Grizzlies games, okay? The Grizzlies. Like, they're not into the Wolves. They're not into teams. They're into NBA players. Yeah. Okay. Fernando Tatis Jr. is that guy. Mm-hmm. People don't even know who he yeah, is. Could be that guy. Yeah. If he if he starts to respect the game yeah, a little right. more. I just can't kiss the ring. But but that's but that's the point about this is in that sense on Manford and his people. Well, what the what what these guys are really saying too, if if you if you break it down by like the pitchers who are offended and the managers who are offended, what they're really saying is please take it easy on me when my team is losing right. because I'm too insecure to handle the ass kicking. That's what it is. It is like it is, baseball players and managers can be the most insecure babies in all of sports. These old guard managers and players and coaches who continue to enforce these ancient unwritten rules. So let's go through some of these ridiculous unwritten rules and just try to keep track of it and and put yourself in the mind of a Fernando Tatis who just wants to come on here and hit bombs and have fun. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no dude. You got to remember that like, you can have fun and like you can hit bombs, but not when it's three and oh, and don't swing at a strike. If it's a strike on three and zero, and you're up by like I don't know four, five, six, like for sure seven runs, like you definitely you want to let the pitcher kind of get back into the, just let him, <laughs> let him throw a couple strikes and then you know be at a disadvantage when it's three two. Never mind the fact that like last week was the anniversary of the Indians coming back from down like twelve runs. Remember that game twenty well, years sure. ago? Um, oh, and by the way, like if the opposing pitcher is shoving on you, mm-hmm. you can definitely like. Do what you want, except you can't bunt. You can't bunt if, if the guy's got a no-hitter going on out. late in the game. Here, here's the thing that is absolutely asinine. Tatis, because of how baseball works, is under Padres' control forever, basically. Like, it's going to take him forever. So his earliest time possible to get paid is arbitration, right? And he gets paid a little bit in arbitration. And he gets paid a little bit, but the better his stats are, the more home runs. That's true. The more RBIs, the better. All right? Mm-hmm. So he's supposed to take he is supposed to take a strike and possibly then just strike out. And oh, by the way, if he strikes out, no big deal, kid. Great game. We yeah. won by a yeah. lot. He's supposed to eat that based on some rule. So he's not supposed to try to be as successful as possible. In a game and a society now where individual success, I don't care what people say, is incredibly important. Uh, the, that's a great point you bring up that I had not thought about in that that grand slam last night for Tatis, I believe, put him in the major league lead for runs batted in. 
It probably for sure. did. The, the game did probably for did. sure. And he passed. Uh, I think he passed Trout for the home run lead for now. So he. So you know, to your point, like you're scraping and clawing, and you don't get to hit free agency for for five more years. And every like, if if you were to be able to say in an arbitration hearing in a couple of years from now, I have led the major leagues in runs batted in, you know, stuff like that. I just keep going back to the insecure part and how like players in other sports laugh at this stuff. Like, what do you? Some, sometimes you can expose people by just keep a, keep asking them questions when they say something stupid. So when like if I'm sitting there and this Texas manager is it Woodward? Yeah, Chris Woodward. Chris Woodward. Yes. If I'm in that room. And and I'm representing well either the media or the Padres or Fernando Tatis, and he expresses an issue with yeah you just uh, that's just not how we do it uh, when you're when you're up by seven runs and it's three and zero you just you, you got to take a pitch there sure well why is that um well it's just the way that right. it's just the way you just you got to <laughs> you got to respect the game no but I mean no like I, I'll entertain this be more specific like what do you mean respect the game. Well, I mean, like you, get, you know, the pitcher's already in a tough spot there. Right. Um, oh, oh, so you're saying that you want me to make it easier on the pitcher? Okay, well then, if the shoe's on the other foot, yep. if my team's down by five, because we're drawing the line at five or six runs, if my team's down by five, mm-hmm. I don't want that pitcher throwing a slider off the outside edge. Well, that, now he's now he's showing me up. Shouldn't he be throwing a meatball down the middle? If that's what we're going to get at here, right. if you're gonna if you're gonna get pissed at Fernando Tatis throwing a uh, you know swinging at a three zero meatball. Because oh we're down by too many runs, then when the shoe's on the other foot, right. you better groove one down the middle of the plate for me, or I'm going to be offended. And this also means that nobody paid a bit of attention to the uh, promotional campaign, Phil, that you talked about, which was let the kids play. And if I'm not mistaken, the uh, I believe Machado came up after Tatis hit the grand slam and was thrown behind. I would uh, suspend the pitcher and the manager from Texas for about 10 games apiece because I would say, look, the only way that I'm going to get this through your stupid thick skulls is to punish you. If you're if you're going old man, you're not going to participate for a while. Seriously. Totally agree. I, I would say totally the, the only the only way you cannot have a kid hit a grand slam home run and the next guy get thrown behind. It can't. It can't. Happen. Now, if you're pissed off and you hit a guy, all right, that's still a little bit dicey. But to me, this is black and white. Guy hits Grand Slam. You don't like it because of the game situation. Now you're going to punish the next guy. You aren't playing for at least 10 games. You know what I would do? I would offer cash bonuses for players who hit home runs on 3-0 and counts. And then an additional cash bonus <laughs> if you that. flip your bat and pimp it after it happens. Right. Make baseball fun again. Love it. That's Make hilarious. baseball fun again. It's so stupid. That's hilarious. Killing me. Oh, oh, and last thing too. Last thing about this. Do you guys realize that to a large degree, the good the good things that we have talked about in baseball for 2020 have all been caused by a pandemic? Man on second to start the tenth doesn't happen without the pandemic. Okay? Seven inning double headers do not happen without the pandemic. Rob Manfred has needed a 100-year bleeping pandemic to get anything right. Okay, the the man on second. Let's touch on that for a second here since we're we're into this baseball gripe session. So I've heard a lot of pushback about this, and I don't understand it. I love the runner on second base because it does the thing that baseball has mostly been lacking for 15 or 20 years, ever since like social media came into the mix and attention spans have decreased and the NBA has become more popular and soccer has become more popular. Baseball has been fighting for attention. 
And mm-hmm. base, baseball had everyone's attention 50 years ago before the NBA was popular and before the NFL blew up in the 80s and 90s. But baseball, like anything else, like like our podcast, like li- like literally everyone in entertainment or sports is fighting for your attention. And there are very few moments throughout the course of a season or even throughout the course of a game that are must-watch in baseball. In the NBA, if it's a close game toward the end, you know that there's two minutes left on the clock. And so you're like, oh, there's, I can tune it in the fourth quarter and watch the end of this game. Like yesterday, I saw that uh, Denver and Utah were playing in overtime and or, you know they're going back and forth at the end. Like, all right, there's a moment of urgency here. Mm-hmm. Baseball doesn't have as much of that. Now, sometimes like, oh, this game's tied in the ninth and you might catch wind of it. But creating more moments of must-watch for baseball and putting a runner on second base in the 10th inning is brilliant, even if they stumbled into it. You guys had three hours and nine innings to figure out who the winner was here. Yes. And we're not going to make it fluky like a penalty shot or or like a, you know, like a shootout in hockey. Right. Your pitcher still has the ability to get out of this jam. We're just going to make it a little bit more high leverage and we're going to force the issue a little bit and put you in a situation that makes it tough. It's it's no different than college football starting at the 25-yard line in overtime. And and where, where the old man gripe falls apart completely. Rami, me to a certain d- degree, I was not sure that I like this. Where our argument falls apart completely is what does it com- what does it do perfectly? It invokes a strategy. You immediately there are stra- are you going to bunt the guy to third? What are you go who is going to run at second? It's perfect because for all of us who say, you know, the, you know, and I, I know the both of uh, you, you guys laugh about this, but the double switch, okay, all of that sort of strategic stuff, right? I love how you still find a way, like the runner on second base yeah, in the tenth inning. For you, it's like, oh, the double switch might happen, but or the uh, bunt, or if you like the bunt, <laughs> or if you like the bunt, all the runner on second gives you strategy. It's it's a must. Like you have to, you have to think through what what are the permeations of what I'm going to do yeah. possibly to combat. It's should, I, should I walk a guy? Should I exactly? Not? It just it raises the tension level for it's everybody. Great, yes, for everybody. And and so I think when you look at when you look at other overtimes like basketball, it's a five minute overtime, and you know what's going to happen. Hockey can drag on a little bit, but there's just like so many shots on goal that any one of them could and the be three the on game three winner. is fun. Yep, I agree with that. They've done a great job with that. But baseball, my my first feeling when baseball goes to extra innings is, oh god, do I have to? Is this going right. to go fifteen innings? Yep. Am I going to have to commit like two more hours to this? <laughs> and I'm generally just kind of like, I guess I'll watch the tenth, but I'm just kind of out. But if you're telling me that every inning from this point forward is going to have a runner on second base, I'm captivated. I'm in. It's must watch. And are they going to do this for the playoffs? No. See, they it's should. out in the playoffs. They should. Imagine but, game seven. Hey, you guys had three hours to figure this out. Right. Now there's a runner on second. But, every, but everything that they have done that we have praised and has been fun has been because of a pandemic. Yep. Like there's nothing that they've thought of and just said, you know what, we should go ahead and do this. Be- there, it was all based on what? A shortened season and trying to get through games quicker because of a pandemic. That's the indictment here. There's no genuine thought of let's just do this. Let's just do this because you know what? We need to appeal. And, you know, and every time we talk about this, we get notes. Are you saying baseball's not popular with young fans? I know a lot of young fans that like baseball. No, it is it is it is factually not it's that factual, popular. And and look, I'm fifty and I can tell you what sucks about it now, okay? <laughs> so don't, you know By the way, you're fifty and you're on the young side of an average baseball fan. Yeah, and that yeah. is very By like very a decade. Frightening. Yeah. That's very frightening. But anyway, yeah, the Tatis thing just drove me crazy. So um 
your Mr. Mankato update for the day here. Cam Dantzler yesterday, video circulating around social media, went step for step with Adam Thielen on a deep pass down the field. Were you at practice when this happened, Judd? Uh, yes, I was. I saw it live wow. From, wow. From, from my vantage point, which is um, not surprisingly in the age of COVID, a long ways away from yeah. where the play was made. So uh, most important Vikings thing of the day, I think it's safe to say it's Cam Dantzler starring at Vikings training camp and Adam Thielen pulling Mike Zimmer aside saying this kid's going to be something special. Hmm. Uh, can we glean all of those things off of one practice at the Twin Cities Orthopedic Performance Center? This actually brought to mind what could potentially be a fun uh, portion of this segment as we go through training camp, which is, because we both uh, have talked about this, overreaction or not, okay? So is it an overreaction for, for us to say and Adam Thielen okay. to say that this dude's going to be special? Ordinarily, I would slap you upside the head and say, absolutely, just shut up. What are you talking about? It's first day of full pads. But I, I wrote this at scorenorth.com last night. And I partially believe it has to be true. There are no exhibition games, right? There are limited practices. Like, they were limited, I believe, to a 90-minute practice in full pads on Monday. I believe that's it. Like, you're done, okay? All of that being said, in the old days, you would say, overreaction, it's a bunch of BS. Yeah, he might be good. Who knows? But, Phil, don't you have to, if you're a coaching staff and you're going to have, you know, limited film um, and you have job openings, don't you have to or won't you have to read some things into things that previously you might yes. be like, ah, yeah, I look good, but. That play. For, I mean, for Cam, kind of a play. <laughs> for Cam Dantzler standing in the cornerback room and, and the cornerback depth chart. That play against Adam Thielen in full team practice matters more than it would if there were four preseason games. Yes. Because you only have a certain number of things that you can use to judge and a certain amount of criteria you can use without those preseason games. So really, like you're, you're not going to be able to see Cam Dantzler in the third preseason game line up against A.J. Green or something, right? Like You're going to have to judge him based on how he lines up against Adam Thielen and B.C. Johnson Yes, and Justin Jefferson. And you have X amount of film, too. So, like, there's not going to be mounds of exhibition film, training camp film, two-a-day film, um, go back to um, OTA film, right? There's going to be a very minute, uh, finite amount of film to study. This was a really good play against a really good receiver on a ball thrown by Cousins. I can't dismiss it completely. What about the other side of it? Has Adam Thielen lost a step? He didn't want it. He just didn't want it yesterday. I don't, I don't know why. I'm very concerned. No, I'm kidding. Well, no, it, it but a go, slow to me. go watch that. A little slow to but me. go watch. Go watch how the needle times the jump. Is that what we're calling him? Yeah, that, that's, that what, I think it's his college nickname. nickname yes. The needle. The needle. Yes, but that, that's his college nickname. Yes, because he looks like a needle. It's very appropriate. So if you, but if, he's got that jump. Like right is he skinny? Yeah, he's a thin guy, like and me? and he's and he's but he's tall. If he's a needle, what am I? A but you're not tall enough. Oh, well, yeah. So, so if you don't qualify, so if Thielen were to have caught that pass, then the quarterback would have threaded the needle. Oh God! Yeah, Thank I mean you, that. Is, that is accurate. Can we stop today's is that podcast? What would have happened? Can we just end with that? And you just take your optimistic like now, sure. So uh, it's, it's very fine. Cam, Cam Dantzler, everybody, the needle. And if you want, we're, we're so we're we're gonna definitely keep talking Vikings on Mackie and Judd throughout. Now that they're back practicing, but if you want full deep dive football, the football, football discussions, 
Just quickly, uh, though. Basis, Purple Daily Podcast and YouTube. Back to my point. I, honest to God, and it, this is not a uh, Vikings thing alone. I honestly don't know how teams are going to enter week one even slightly prepared. Like, I just don't. If you've got any competitions, if you've got, uh, as far as the in-sync um, that offenses need, and week one through four is not great regardless, your practice time, your ability to actually go out there and do things on the field now is so short. There's going to be a ton of teams, and I don't blame them, but there's going to be a ton of teams that look like they're playing preseason game if they're lucky two or three is, for the first three weeks. Is there still a chance they could push the start of the season, or has that ship sailed at this point? I don't think they I mean, have any plan barring to. Barring a barrage of COVID cases. Bar- exactly right? right. Barring an outbreak of COVID, I think there's no chance. I I think this league is is has its feet planted in, in going in on week one. I'm just telling you, the first four weeks are ordinarily not great. They might be awful this year. And um, it's no one's fault. It's and we haven't really, I, I haven't seen anything in terms of like, oh, 15 guys tested positive on the Steelers or something. I heard right? a report today. It's down to 12 guys total in the league. Wow. On the That's list. That's amazing. It is, but full padded practices started Monday. And so now the question is, do you get any asymptomatic players who then spread it like wildfire through a team? Yeah, I, don't, I, I guess I don't really see how if you're not playing in a bubble and you've got, you know, think about all the multipliers here. You've got 53 players on a roster, but right now it's like 80 and coaches and they're all bumping, grinding, sweating, touching <laughs> all of those. It sounds like a song. It's a journey song it's from a journey. the late 70s. Like touching and Loving, bumping. touching, squeezing. I just don't know how you avoid outbreaks. Like in, in baseball, they're touching the ball, but they're not really like around each other. They're giving high fives and, and stuff. And they've had outbreaks in baseball, but you're right about how close they, they are in proximity or, yeah. ordinarily. So if you have, if your left guard has it, but is asymptomatic, okay, how do you not spread it to yeah. the entire line and then potentially spread it to the quarterback? Oh. I don't know. But so. yeah, 12, uh, 12 on the COVID-restricted list right now in the NFL. So that's your most important Vikings thing of the day, which leads us to... Oh, yeah. Old Tweets Exposed. Declan I, Goff goes back in the archives I every do. single week on this show on Tuesdays, and he pulls old tweets. Judd and I have been tweeting. Speaking of training camp, I think we both started tweeting in 2009, and if you go back and look at... Judd's Twitter timeline from this point in 2009 and mine, it's just a lot of, like, random 2009 Vikings training camp stuff pre-Farve. It's like Rosenfels hits uh, Sidney Rice down the sideline in team drills. So what were we tweeting about here that needs to be exposed? Jamar Johnson, unbelievable catch. Marcus McCauley's never looked better. Andre Allison. Andre Can he be the best punt returner in the NFL? Yeah. And of course, uh, my internet craps out right when I asked about to, about to share the screen. But yeah, we have a we were going to do a Minnesota Wild base old tweets exposed, but I I had to, I had to rescind a little bit of that because Mackey's tweet wasn't that egregious. It was a Granlin take, so I had to go find a oh, new one. Granlin, Granlin, over to Coyle. I feel like I don't stick my neck out when it comes to hockey takes very often. The hockey yeah. whisperer will come around and predict some things once in a while. But... I feel like that's true. All right, here you go. This okay. is from Phil Mackey. Let's see if I can zoom in. A little oh bit my here. god! Oh no! Top commodities in Minnesota sports tweeted on September 5th, 2017. <laughs> this isn't that bad. One through nine. Nah. It's not horrible. It's good. Uh, number, it's five, number five might be a little Eight's elevated. Eight's a little ridiculous. One is Cat. Eight at the time, though. Eight at the time. He played the best game of his life, He's a yes. starting quarterback. He did. Cat, 
Buxton, Jimmy Butler, Balvin yeah. Levine, Manuel. Patino. We should do this again. Suter, Fleck, <laughs> Bradford, Burrios. I mean, at the time, right. oh, at, at the, the time, time, sure. At the time. But that's, okay, it's what's exposed now? It's twenty twenty. Is this still accurate? <laughs> oh hell no! But what's wildly off track? What what can we mock and laugh at? Well, Pat, well no. you can laugh at Patino to some you extent. Patino. Patino's been good, but he, but to say that to suggest that he is like you know well above Fleck for one. Yeah, this is before Suter. Fleck really blew up. Suter's a good Crazy. one. Suter, yeah, why did I put Suter on I there? Don't, you probably just like, you don't even you like needed, hockey that much. You needed a hockey guy. And you just <laughs> why you the feel, first one that popped in your head. Why did you feel the need to put a wild player on there? Why did I put Suter on there? Oh. And why would I have put Suter above like any other player? He's good, but he's, he, I don't know. But he's not really how, a top commodity. I wouldn't call him a top How many cocktails, no. the how many cocktails in was this? This was 11.13 a.m. on September 5th. Oh. So I don't know if this was like Labor Day or, or, or post-state so fair. I, might have, I, I either tweeted that right after a Mackie and Judd segment or it's a weekend day. And I was, which by the way, if it was a Saturday, 11.13 a.m. could very easily be two Bloody Marys in at that point. Attaboy. Hold so, on a second. What's the date? September 5th. 2017. Let's see if I can find what that day was. So that, I, it does become important for the context of if there I was drinking I don't think the involved. Vikings had opened yet. So I don't think even the Bradford game in week one happened at the time. So, I mean, that was a pretty ballsy move. I mean, he's the quarterback of the football team. I get that. But we have I, to, we, this is, by the way, this is a great idea for a segment. Yes, here. Wow. I do. The genius of Mackie and Judd back in the day. We should do this this Did week. Did we do this as a segment? You must have. You had to have because I went, we went to burn this on Twitter. It was a Tuesday. It was a four-hour show. We weren't burning it this on Twitter. It was a Tuesday, and it, the Vikings opened against the Saints probably the next Sunday. Okay. Right? right. I wonder why I didn't have a tenth one on here. Maybe yeah, it's because I, it maybe I had Falvey and Levine and then Why was together. Buxton so high at, at the time? He was, you know, uh, you know. I don't know. Yeah, he's fast. He was having a good year. He was fast. He was happy. You won. You had MVP votes that year. It wasn't bad. Okay. All right. All right, Mr. Judd's all good. Could have been worse. Oh, I hope worse. there's no more Andrew you Wiggins. Have a, you have a hockey one here. <laughs> At this rate, my prediction <laughs> of Thomas Vanek getting 30 goals on the season will be blown past by December 1st. This was tweeted at 839 October 10th, Wait. 2015. Oh, what, what was that noise? Oh, that's the sound of Thomas Vanek blowing past 30 Hold goals on. in December. Now, I'm sure. Hold on a second here. I at, think I know what it now, was. I, and I have plenty, and I, I did not share mine for this, which now I'm looking back on and I'm, I'm regretting. I, I was probably the only defender of Thomas Vanek's tenure here in Minnesota. And I'm sure in 2015, he might have gotten off to like a p- couple goals on opening night or something. And that's why Judd tweeted this. But 2015-16 was a disaster. I mean, that was the last year of Vanek. He was scratched by the end of the year, bought out. But he must have gotten off to a hot start because Judd Zolgad thought he had uh, 18 goals on the season for the Wild. Let oh, me see. Oh, it's blue right past that yeah, 17 right goal past mark. That 30 mark yeah. let, let me see if I can find his um, if he got off to a good start or Just not. I'm blowing curious. right past it. Wow, I can't believe I tweeted that. That's a good one. That's a great one. You must have been at a game. I'm sure he scored a couple goals. Yeah, the scary thing is I'd love to say I was drinking at a game, but I was probably in the press box. You were more likely to have been drinking later in that season at a yes. game. After, uh, Yeah, that's very, very true. I was going to see if I could find his uh, his game logs just to see what type of yeah, start yeah. he got what, off to. What year, year was that again? 2015. 2015-16. 15-16? So, so it, was, it was early part of 20. It had to been like opening night of, of, for the wild season. October like 10th. 16. All right, I got it right here. So October 10th was the second game. Oh, man, this is great. So he did. He scored two goals in his first three games. He had, let's see here. Well, so, so what's the date? Wait a second. 
Yeah, what was the date on that one? It was October 15th. Oh, yeah, okay. So October 15th was Game 3 at Arizona, and he had scored his second goal in three games, and the Wild started with three straight Ws, 3-0. and Those were the, the days. Those were the days. And then, That's actually, awesome. this is great. Actually, in the first, he got off to a really hot start. In his first 22 games of that season, Thomas Vanek had 10 goals, 19 total points. So he was on like a 75-point pace. Yeah. The first 22 games of the season. For a second, I thought like a 40, I, I 40 was being a smartass, but I wasn't. I was actually I, I got swept up in the emotion of the moment. Oh, oh this is great here. Dex. Oh, that's another bad, wild one. Uh, this was tweeted <laughs> not long ago, uh, almost two years ago, October 11th, 2018. Might sound like a broken record, but I love the potential of a Greenway Coil Nino line. Coyle and Nino were traded about four months later, and Jordan Greenway, I am advocating to be traded more than any other wild player on this roster. I also so. love the preface of this tweet yes. and this take. You said, yes. might sound like a broken record, as in, hey, I know I deliver this take a lot, yes. but I'm just going to deliver gonna it one keep, more time I'm doubling real quick. down, baby. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. If you have your way, by the time the wild starts back up, all three of these guys will be gone. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. That's good. I like the wild-centric uh, theme. Wow. A little suitor from Phil. Thing. Yeah, suitor. I can't believe I, I tweeted that about Vanek. For the Parisi. I think I did a write that down that year about Vanek bo- potentially bouncing back as well. I want to say I did a write that down because he got off to a good start, and I thought that was a genius. Boy, the, how, was, how did I ever believe in him? Like, I spent most of his time well, he here was, ripping I, him. I, I was big player. on him. I loved him. I, I ripped him a ton. I was very high on it, too. And I actually had someone, a listener of the show, like a year before he came over here and signed, a listener of the show who knew his family or something DM'd me and was like, hey, this isn't really on the radar yet, but like this is a, he's going to play for the Wild next year. Yeah, yeah, and, that was been them. And so we started floating the notion. And I remember, like, I was a Gopher hockey season ticket holder when Vanek played for the Gophers, and he would just sit there and cherry pick at center ice, and that's how he scored twenty five yep. goals every year. Or well, he only played one year or two years at the at the U. Um, but yeah, he was he was super fun to watch, and it's probably one of the more disappointing free. Agent but I mean, he he had easily. a he had a good career in Buffalo, and then got traded. The, the red flag that came up about him, though, was when he got traded by the Islanders to Montreal because he wouldn't sign a contract uh, for the playoffs. And Montreal, like, devoted him to the fourth line. And that uh-huh. was the first time that you said, oh, that's not a good, that's not good. And then yeah. the, Wild, the Wild signed him. And he played like he was really happy to be here. And that was about it. Patrick Royce, we wrap with Royce Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Fridays. You can find Royce Unchained podcast, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com. I have a potential hot take for you. All right. All right. These guys insta shot it down, but then I, I then I tried to reason with them. I was born in 1985. I've been watching Twins baseball for 30, well, I've been alive for 35 years. I've been watching Twins baseball for three decades. Nelson Cruz, in his year in change with the Twins, and by the way, his 49 home runs, 131 RBIs in those 142 games is the greatest offensive performance over that stretch of games I've ever seen in a Twins uniform. Uh, that is probably correct, yes. Uh, since uh, your, age, your age of reason was like the late 80s, right? I yep. mean, uh, all due respect to Kirby Puckett, he didn't hit yeah. 49 homers in 142 games no, in bad 317. Yeah, I mean, the, game is, uh, the game has 
changed some since then. They, uh, you know, they approve strikeouts now more than they did then. But yes, I, I would have to agree with that. It's, uh, it's pretty phenomenal. And uh, you know what else? The distances, <laughs> yeah, the distances are unreal. What are we hitting here, man? Alive? We were all worried about. Oh, they're going to take the juice out of the baseball. No, they aren't. But uh, yeah, you know what? When he gets it airborne, sometimes you you okay. That's going to be a home run, right? You, you, when he hits it, but you have no idea that it's going to be a home run by forty feet. You know, is uh, is the carry on the ball when he gets it up in the air is just phenomenal. And I t- I've told you guys this before when he before he became a free agent, I watched Berbucci do a great breakdown on how he managed to maintain his uh, bat speed. And these, these fundamental things that he does that allow him to, uh, you know, maintain his bat speed. And that's why uh, Verducci was writing that he didn't think he was that big a risk at age 38 or 39 because he he hadn't slowed down. He couldn't throw the good fastball past him yet. And, uh, boy, he still got that going. He must uh, he must uh, do a lot of behind-the-scenes working out that we don't know about because he's a huge man now. Man, is he big. And the naps, man. Those naps, I can tell you right now, very important to staying in great condition. A lot of sleep. I'm big on that part of it. I don't think he's getting the uh, Spanish uh, cuisine, though. No. The the fellas aren't allowed to deliver that Spanish cuisine like they did last year. But uh, I think, for in general, they're spending less time in the clubhouse. But uh, one thing, and I actually tweeted this this morning, did you notice that when Miguel came over and talked to him after one of his home runs, it had to be the one in the fourth, and uh, or maybe it was after that inning, or, uh, he had a talk with Miguel that lasted like maybe a minute, and you could see, you know, that we didn't see the whole thing, but it looked like it was going on in the dugout, and it looked like him, you know, Snow just came over to have a, passing word with him or congratulations or something but Cruz stopped and tried to talk to him and and then uh later uh, Miguel actually hit the historic double to right center <laughs> field. You know, should, we should put a plaque out there that you know, that, uh, you, know it, you know I you know I, I just got the impression Cruz was saying just try to stay on the ball here will you dummy it's uh it's uh it's phenomenal how, uh, how, how, you know, and Smalley, of course, is who's been doing the games the last two, three days, has just been working that angle over that he's got to start hitting the ball to center field straight away to right field. He, he can't how, – how long is it going to take him to realize that he's either got to change something fundamentally in that swing or stop trying to pull the ball because he cannot get to a fastball. He cannot get to a mediocre fastball. It's uh, it's incredible. The strikeouts are just ungodly. Uh, what do you think it is, Paul? I mean, uh, he's loading up different, isn't he? He's not. There's no direct path to the the ball. It's like he's he's got. By the time he gets his hand started, he's already late. You know. I have a I have a, a fun. You know, I'm always full of fun statistics to uh, to back these things up. So Miguel Sano has faced, uh, well, this is as of a couple days ago. He had seen, I believe it was 92 fastballs that he has either swung at or either put into play or missed, 
I don't know if it counts foul balls. And his contact rate on those fastballs was something like 57%. So, he, so he's swinging and missing at half of the fa- – and they're not all 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. Oh, God, no. Right? No, that's the thing about him. It's a, he's missing a 93-mile-an-hour fastball. He did that a couple of times last night. Mookie, Mookie Betts has swung at 126 fastballs this season. You guys care to uh, take a guess at how many he has made contact with? Well, I saw a stat the other day that it was last 101. Uh, All but one. All but one he has made contact with. What are you saying? What are you trying to say? Saying, like, hit a damn fastball. (laughs) Jeez. Well, yeah. Yeah. And people are saying, well, he misses Rousen. Well, I like Rousen as much as the next guy, but Rudy Hernandez is his guy. You know, Rudy's still here. And, you know, how many thousands of times have they asked him? Uh, Come on, Miguel. You know, that ball that's out in the other half of the plate, just hit it out here. You're the strongest man in the world. Just hit it as far as you saw that last night. But the thing about him is that stuff has no carryover. You know, it just, it just doesn't it just doesn't seem to stick inside that cranium of his. He, I made the comparison this morning. He's, he's the right-handed Oswaldo Arcia, the strongest guy in the world, but he could never stop swinging from his arse, you know. He could never, you know, hit a ball to left center field when they were pitching yeah. him away, and uh, and uh, I don't know, but uh, they uh, they they figured it out yesterday with the, giving up one run with that collection of pitchers. Jeez, Luis! You know what? When Smeltzer comes in after a guy who's throwing fairly hard, uh, Whistler's not Whistler's not throwing blowing people away, but he throws very hard. I, you know the 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 opener concept I think works with him pitching second, don't you? Because you, you don't see that crap right off the bat. Yeah. It kind of it kind of you say okay, and then and then it takes you two innings to figure out oh, he, he he's not actually going to throw me another sloppy curveball. <laughs> he, he is, yes, he is. So anyway, hey Patrick. Hey. Unwritten rules were broken in Arlington last night, damn it. Unwritten rules. How dare that Fernando Tatis Jr. hit a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch uh, to continue to become a superstar player when baseball says you should never do that. You know what? That is such an unwritten rule that I didn't even know existed. Wow. uh, I've been covering the game for 45 years or whatever the hell it is. And I did not uh, realize that uh, we weren't supposed to hit a three-zero pitch uh, when it was uh, uh, seven to nothing. Uh, you know, maybe if it's eighteen to nothing, I don't know. But uh, I, I did not know that this was that was a thing. I, I, you know, and everybody's talking about it, and I don't know. Has anybody sided with Chris Woodward on this? Uh, I mean, the the, the, the Padres manager himself also sided with Chris Woodward. Right. Who I don't even know who that is. Jace Tingler. Yeah. Jace Tingler. Yeah, Tingler, Springler. Yeah. Well, then he must just be trying to kiss up to him or something because there's no way that. Uh, yeah, yeah. We don't want the nation to get excited about maybe the best young player to come in the league in 20 years. We don't want anybody to get excited about this six foot four monstrous shortstop who's uh, in. Uh, who, when he's playing with the Yankees five years from now, we'll be talking about him, right? Did you ever cover? Did you cover his dad in the nineties? Not really. No, no, he didn't. Was he ever ever in our league? 
Nah, well, he actually yeah, played, he for, he played Rangers, for, right? He played for Baltimore for a minute. Did he he played for the Rangers. He started with Rangers the Rangers. For a while too. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't a very you know he was a very ordinary player. Isn't he the he's the big hot shot hitting coach down there now? Right. right. Well, he had the one big season in 1999 where he. Uh, <laughs> He he had two grand slams in the same inning of a game. Nineteen ninety nine, you say? April. Huh? Yeah, hmm, yeah. It was also his only big power season. Hmm, interesting. Hey, so. wasn't he? Uh, isn't he Miguel's guy? Who's the guy? Who's he? He's somebody's guy on this team. Yeah, I think he might be Miguel's guy. Now. Yeah. Yes. Be. Yes. Let's fly he is him in for an emergency lobotomy. <laughs> I don't think he's an expert in that, but yes, he's he is Miguel's guy. Yeah, that was it, and we gave him credit for getting. Yeah, we gave him credit for getting Miguel in shape. But, I, I, but uh, true, I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyway, it was a. Uh, uh, yeah, it was silly, and you know, but it, it it's so easy now for this is baseball's problem. Chris Woodward saying something stupid is not baseball's problem. Okay, it doesn't. The fact that someone's upset that they hit a grand slam home run to make it eleven to nothing. Is not baseball's problem. That's baseball's got bigger problems than that. That's for sure. You know, the unwritten rules, which are which are uh, getting uh, getting uh, rapidly defeated here uh, day after day, and uh, I, I wouldn't get that upset about this guy being stupid. But it is, you know, the people who don't like baseball. This is a great opportunity for them. <laughs> so yeah. Right. Yep. So, Pat, we got to run, but we will catch up with you tomorrow. All right. Another gorgeous Minnesota day. You coming out the ballpark tonight, Ricey? I think we're going to have thirty-eight thousand tonight, man. (laughs) You coming out for the Brewers game? I will be there. I'll see you there. Goodbye. See you, Pat. All right. That's wrapping with Royce. I just got a genius idea. Wow. Take breaking news. Take Tatis's home run and take the sound bites from Woodward. And Jace Tingler, and put together MLB sanctioned promo ad to run, mocking them, and saying the kid did the right thing. I like it, and have that be an ad campaign. I like it. You should wait. These idiot managers and coaches and players should be called out. But but couldn't you make this the you you could do a Fernando Tatis here here's who he is campaign and mock them at the same time to make it very clear. That the people that run baseball side with Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, well, Rob Manfred, what else you got going on today? The kids are all right. The that Marlins could be don't the have campaign. An anymore, the so. kids are all right. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, Take that. And we appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Mackie and Judd, the podcast. Don't forget about our Vikings podcast, Purple Daily, on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. And tomorrow, a Write That Down Wednesday, we'll make predictions and hold each other accountable. See you guys. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.